Welcome back to One in a Million. I am your host, Roland Million. And the last time we spoke uh, was before game six of the NBA Finals, the 2012 or uh, 22 NBA Finals. And this was the only prediction I got wrong. I said the Celtics would win in six and the Warriors won in six. So shout out to the Warriors. They played a very disciplined game. They got many contributions from their bench. And to the real Warrior fans out there, not the people who just jumped from bandwagon to bandwagon who weren't fans when Andre Beadrins was on the team and Steven Jackson, the real Warriors fans out there, congrats to them. But at the same time, uh, if I were to lose to a team, I wouldn't mind losing to the Warriors because they've done it the right way. They play the right way. They move the ball. They defend. They talk. They shoot a lot more threes than most people, and they kind of change the complexion of the way the NBA is now with shooting threes and then the whole analytics thing. But at the same time, if we were going to lose to a team, uh, I would rather lose to a team like them or the Milwaukee Bucks. But at the same time, I also hate losing to the Warriors, and I hate losing to the Warriors for one reason and one reason alone. That's Draymond Green. It's it's true what they say. When you win, you can basically say anything. You can say anything you want, and and people will believe you. If you're talking to someone who doesn't do research and lacks intelligence when it comes to certain things, they will believe anything you say because you are a figure. You're a, an an important figure, a famous figure, and. They'll listen to what you have to say. I, I guess that's the benefit of you being at the top. But the problem is, is Draymond, after winning, went on old man in the three, I think it was, and said he knew he got Jalen Brown's heart for the whole series as if he had him flustered. Like, he, he knew he had his heart. And I, I just... To me, I just don't get that because he said he had his heart once he went to the media. Now, in game two, maybe you had him flustered. Jalen Brown didn't have a quite quite a gr uh, great game in that game, and you were irritating. And they, you guys were very physical. The Golden State Warriors were very physical, and the refs allowed them to be that physical and allowed that type of physicality. And he did get a little flustered. But to say you had his heart for the series – it doesn't make it doesn't make sense at all because in game 3 Draymond fouled out Jalen was killing him the majority of the game as a matter of fact so was Marcus Smart anytime Draymond switched on to him and he had an effective game i think he might have scored 27 points in that game and was making nice passes and was pushing the tempo he had a good game and he had another effective game in game four. But 
the stress didn't come from Draymond defending him. It came when the unsung hero of that series, other than Wiggins, and that was Gary Payton. Gary Payton was the one that caused Jalen Brown a little discomfort. I saw a lot of his father in that series, a lot of dog in him defensively. Um, now, the the funny thing is the way he the way he had him a little off base was by f- getting up into him defensively, crowding his space, not allowing him to take that first dribble. He was either going to shoot, he wasn't going to get to the basket and use his handle against Gary Payton. And the crazy thing is Draymond said all that, but at the end of the day, if you watch those games and you watch that series, his eyes lit up anytime Draymond was defending him. In fact, Draymond, is it not true that you said that you were a little flustered in game four because the way the Boston crowd was getting to you? So I don't know how you could go from you took Jalen Brown's heart to saying you were a little flustered and that Steph Curry yelling at the crowd was to get the crowd off of you because you were stressed out. It doesn't make any sense. And as I said before, Jalen Brown's eyes lit up when he saw you defensively. It, it, it reminded me of watching Paul Pierce being defended by Vladimir Rodmanovich in the 2008 finals, where he was just by Rodmanovich every single possession and getting whatever he wanted. And that's the way I felt when I watched Jalen Brown up against you. He got whatever he wanted. Now, with that being said, I really hope the Warriors go back to the finals. And I'm sorry, Dime. Um, I'm sorry, Dime Dropper. My guy, um, he's got a great podcast. Got a, uh, you got to take a listen. You got to follow him, subscribe to him on YouTube. He is wonderful. He does the evolution of basketball, evolution of the 60s, the 70s. You got it. This, this is a young kid who is very, very knowledgeable of the game. But again, like I'm saying, Dime, I'm sorry. I want the Warriors to go back to the finals. Because with the acquisition of Malcolm Brogdon and the scoring off the bench in Gallinari, I see the Celtics going back, but I want the Warriors there. I want to play the Warriors again. It's it's always tough when you lose to a team and then you don't get a chance at redemption. Like the Bulls got a chance at redemption on the Pistons. The Pistons got a chance at redemption against the Celtics. The Dallas Mavericks got a chance at redemption versus Miami. Like these are all things that I like to see. Like this, the Lakers even got a chance at redemption two years later at beating the Celtics in 2010 when they lost to them in 2008. I I want that chance at redemption. I want the Celtics to have that chance at redemption. And hopefully it pans out that way. I know some people might not be happy about it, uh, Clippers fans and people in the West, but that's kind of what I want, okay? Some great moves by teams in this free agency. Uh, Trey Young will be able to play the two a little bit now offensively. And I think that that fits him well because I see him more as an undersized two than a one. 
Um, it And people will say, well, he's kind of like Steph Curry. I still think Steph Curry is a one. He is a hybrid, a one and a two. I think Steph Curry has very good court vision. I think Trey Young at certain times doesn't have doesn't show the capability of having a, as great a court vision as Steph Curry, and that's the point guard in Steph Curry. I always thought that Trey Young was a very undersized two, and he needed to get better at making the right plays and making the right decisions where Steph Curry's already there. Now, Trey Young may get there, but who knows? But I think it helped getting DeJounte Murray, which I wanted him on the Celtics, but DeJounte Murray is going to be great for them. He can handle the ball, and he will be able to help hide uh, Trey Young defensively and be able to help him out if he does get beat because DeJounte Murray is a phenomenal defender. He does a little bit of everything. If If you want flashy and looking for all that flashiness, you're not going to see too much of that with DeJounte Murray. But what you are going to see is someone who plays the game of basketball the right way. Uh, Cat getting a center in Rudy Gobert. And Cat won't have to play center now with the Wolves, which is a plus for Cat because I know he didn't want to play the center, kind of like AD. AD didn't like to play the center. But remember, with this Cat trade, Cat struggled against smaller forwards. So it will be interesting to see how he fares playing against these smaller forwards all game long. Will he stay out on the perimeter and punish guys in the or will he punish guys in the post? Um Warriors, if this rings true and he ends up going to Portland, the Warriors lost a lot of toughness in GP GP2. Okay, Gary Payton the second. Toughness, defense, athleticism. They signed Dante uh, uh, DiVincenzo, but I don't think he's what they're going to need, but we will see. I think Dante DiVincenzo is he, he's not the defender that Gary Payton is. I mean, he can score a little bit, but at the same time, I don't think with the emergence of Andrew Wiggins, as a player, Clay Thompson still being there, uh, with the emergence of Steph Curry getting back to the way he was before, I don't think they're going to need scoring. Jordan Poole has been incredible for them as well. If they keep that same core, I don't think there's really a need for Dante DiVincenzo, but we will see. Only time can tell. Okay. Uh, now, shout out to the Golden State Warriors. They won. There was a lot of people that were talking so much trash about them at the beginning of the year. Now, this is a little off topic because I didn't want to get into this, but the fact that people have Steph Curry as the fifth best player in the NBA, knowing, knowing that it was Klay Thompson's first year back in two years, knowing that Draymond has struggled, Jordan Poole has done his thing, and Andrew Wiggins has been a little bit more consistent Uh, on a game-to-game basis, but knowing all of this and everybody putting them in the the tail side of a championship, not thinking that they would win a championship, knowing all of that and then watching Steph Curry literally 
Will his team lead his team to a championship? A couple 40-point games in the championship where he took over. Andrew Wiggins helping him out. But at the end of the day, Steph Curry deserved every single bit of that finals MVP. He had the finals MVP. People didn't think they were going to win the championship. And yet and still, you have people saying he is the fifth best player in the league. Now, I don't know what I would say for who's the best player in the – well, I think Giannis is still the best player in the league, but I don't know who I would say after that, okay, because consistency matters, right, when you're talking about someone who's the best player in the league at that given time. We're not talking about over their career. We're talking about at that given time. Consistency matters, and Giannis has been consistently the best player in the league. And then after that, it's a little blurry. Who else has been very consistent? Steph Curry. Steph Curry. Kevin Durant wasn't even that consistent, right? He was a little bit inconsistent. Steph Curry was the most consistent player throughout the year. But yet, people continue to disrespect this man. I'm not going to disrespect him. I don't think he's the fifth best player in the league. I think he's either two or three. And that's just my opinion. You guys can take it for whatever it's worth, but look at what he just did this year. He told you two years ago, don't worry, we'll be back. And guess what? They were back. He became a prophet. Now, going on to top players in the league, Kevin Durant may want to trade. Who knows if it's true or not? But I'd like to discuss a narrative that's going around that it's okay to just keep leaving from team to team because Draymond was talking about, oh, yeah, you know, it's the same as leaving to go to Apple or Tesla. I don't think it's the same. He may think it is, but I don't think it's the same. I think part of success is the struggle it takes to be successful. It makes it that much more sweet. When I think about how sweet a struggle is once the goal is achieved, I think about Dirk Nowitzki, the GOAT of the Mavericks, the greatest of all time of the Mavericks. Year after year, loss after loss always came to either the Sacramento Kings or the San Antonio Spurs. Now, in 2006, they finally got over the hump and beat the Spurs in a remarkable Game 7 where Dirk Nowitzki went off for 37 points, had a big and one in the fourth quarter where he shot fake, drove to the basket, kind of lost the ball, but ended up dunking it, getting an and one. Now, he scored 12 points in that fourth quarter. The San Antonio Spurs made a comeback, brought him into overtime, where overtime Jason Terry sealed the deal for them. Now, they beat the Suns after that in the next round. And then they go two, up 2-0 two versus the Miami Heat and Dwayne Wade and Shaquille O'Neal. And then in the fourth quarter of game three, they blow a double-digit lead and lose the next four games. The next year, you know, a little bit of kind of like the Spurs of 2013 when they lost that game seven and they kind of blew away that game six. They came back the next year so hungry, ready to go, had the best record in the league, and then ended up winning the finals. I thought 
going back, I was like, they're going to be back and they're going to go to the championship and they might be able to win it this year. Okay. Now 2007 comes around. They have the best record in the league at 67 and 15. No one, no one was able to beat them consistently. The only team that was able to beat them consistently was the Golden State Warriors, and they were a matchup problem. Now, I think Avery Johnson is probably going to regret this at the time because, or or he probably regretted this, but he blew the last game of the season, which made them end up playing the Golden State Warriors in the first round. Now, once they lost that game in the regular season, they ended up playing Golden State in the first round. Golden State was a matchup nightmare for them, and they lose the first round. After going to the finals, then having the best record in the league, then you lose in the first round. Nothing is certain. A chance Dirk might never get again. And in 2010, after the Spurs won in 2007, the the Celtics uh, got Garnett and Ray Allen in 2008, and then the Lakers were coming off of back-to-back championships, okay? Somehow, the Dallas Mavericks behind Dirk got themselves a championship as the underdog. And I know that felt so reassuring to Dirk because there was no certainty that he was going to be able to get back. You think about the Celtics, the Lakers, Oklahoma City Thunder was young and up and coming, right? You think about all those teams. There was no thought in Miami. Miami. They teamed up. They had Chris Bosh, Dwayne Wade, and LeBron. You think about all that. There was no guarantee that he was going to win the championship. But again, I say I know it felt so reassuring because he did it the hard way. Now, Dirk controlled his fate. Okay. Now, he didn't leave, but he controlled his fate by staying and facing the uncertain, and leading his team to a championship, when I know he felt, especially after 2007, it may not happen again for them in Dallas, and there may not be a chance for him to get a championship. But he did. I just feel like a little consistency is better than constantly going from squad to squad to squad. Right? OKC then go to Golden State, then go to Brooklyn, then possibly leaving Brooklyn, okay? It's his choice. It is what it is. But I just think it means more when you go through the struggle, like a Steph Curry, like a Michael Jordan, right? I just think it's like a Paul Pierce. He went through the struggle. They made a trade and got him some help. They all went through the struggle and then got themselves a championship. Now, on to a narrative that I have heard for quite some time. 
And that is that the Bulls had a great front office and surrounded MJ with great players. So MJ didn't have to leave. That is a whole lot of bull. It's a whole lot of malarkey. Okay. Now, MJ didn't have to leave. That 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 front office was so good. He 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 surrounded they, they surrounded him with great players and this and that. This is a narrative that is brought on by people who actually don't know what they're talking about. Now, that same great office, let me bring some numbers for you since everybody loves the numbers. That same great office, front office had the Bulls at a record of 89 and 157 over the last three years before Michael Jordan got there. They fired Jerry Sloan, who ended up being a Hall of Fame great coach, okay? They fired a plethora of other coaches. It got so bad that Rod Thorne, who was the executive, had to end up being the coach in I think it was 83, and he hadn't coached basketball or head coached basketball in six years. And even then, he wasn't even a head coach in the NBA. He was a head coach in the ABA. But for the most part, he was an assistant and not a head coach. So you talk about how the front office was so great. The front office wasn't great. They made a lot of bad decisions. They had one year being above 35 wins, and Artis Gilmore, okay, was their leading scorer and rebounder. They traded him away. He was an all-star, mind you. They traded him for Dave Corzine and cash considerations. So let me explain to you. You know what made the front office look great? When they got MJ, that's when the front office looked great. Because when they got MJ, okay, they were able to build around MJ. I hear a lot of people say, well, they drafted Scottie Pippen. They drafted Horace Grant. They got Phil Jackson. But in order for all that to work, they needed MJ. Okay? Now, I hear people say MJ didn't have to leave, but if LeBron had a great coach in a front office, he wouldn't have to leave. And they say that to protect him. Now, let me ask people this question. When you think of top executives in the NBA right now, not even just in the NBA, but in NBA history, Does Pat Riley's name not come to mind? When you think of top coaches in the league right now and voted as a top 15 coach in NBA history, does Eric Spolstra's name not come to mind? But I will hear from the people who say, well, Eric Spolstra was young and that's why You know, LeBron didn't want to stay with him because he was young and he wasn't going to really be like a top-tier guy. Phil Jackson had not coached in the NBA. He was an assistant coach for one year, and he was young in NBA years. Just like Eric Spolstra, 
So with that being said, here LBJ had a great coach and an executive. One of the best executives, honestly, of all time. And guess what? Even after LeBron left, he quickly overcame and even had his team back to the finals. Now, we go back to the Chicago Bulls. Rod Thorne and Jerry West, uh, Jerry West, uh, Jerry Krause had that chance from 1999 to 2004, and they got nowhere. They got exactly how they were before MJ got drafted. So with all that working for LeBron, having a great executive and a great coach, he still left. So let's stop making excuses and saying he is great, but he didn't have any help. He did have the help that he needed in Miami, and he decided to leave. He had a great coach in Miami. He decided to leave. He had a great executive in Miami. He decided to leave. Now, LeBron is great. Don't get me wrong on that. And I don't like to talk about him all the time, but, you know, it, it's hard to avoid it because that's all the media loves to do is talk about him and talk about all these same people over and over again. Now, so I had to make a conversation about it, and I see these narratives all the time. He is great, but stop making excuses for him like, oh, well, if he had got these people, then he wouldn't have left. He did. He did get these people. He did get a great executive. He did get a great coach. He did get surrounded by players and decided that he was going to leave. So that excuse that you guys have for him at the beginning of the career, well, he wouldn't have had to leave if he had these great people. He did end up getting them, and he still left. Now, at the end of every show, I say a player who does who needs to be watched and get recognized. Um, and you should watch some of his games and see how talented he is. Now, this is a little out of the ordinary. Um, now, I don't have the same beliefs as he does in science and everything like this, but this has nothing to do with his belief in science. This has everything to do with his basketball. Now, I'm going to say a Hall of Famer. And it's a little out of the ordinary for me to say that a Hall of Famer is disrespected. But if you go around and listen to people, he is constantly disrespected. And that's John Stockton. John Stockton is a 10-time All-Star, 9-time Assist Champ, 2-time Steals Champ, 11-time All-NBA, 5-time All-Defense, and an All-Star MVP. He's the all-time leader in steals and assists by a huge margin. Now, games that you should watch. Uh, the reason I picked Stockton, though, is because you got guys like Gilbert Arenas trashing him, making the youth think that he was garbage on like a podcast. He said he would bust Stockton's ass and that pick and roll ain't working, and he dropped 27 on him. Now, while the numbers say he dropped 27 – on a 41-year-old Stockton who was a step slower that next year. He failed to mention a year and a half before that, Stockton not dealing with injuries because he started to deal with some nagging injuries once he turned 41. And anybody who gets older knows that when you get older, the pain is a lot more different. 
than it was even a year before that. Now, a year and a half before that, Stockton not dealing with any injuries at 39 years old, going on 40, outscored him 26 to 16 in points, fouled him out, had more assists, steals, and shot 63% from the field. And Stockton on multiple occasions in that game called the plays off at the end of the game to go isolation on Gilbert Arenas. And Gilbert was so mad that during the game, you could see him punching the extension to the hoop. So you talk about someone whose ass you would bust and and that he wouldn't be able to score on you, yet you were punching the extension of the hoop because you were so upset because you couldn't stop him. So, Gilbert, stop. Stop disrespecting. He's a great, he's a killer, and he's way better than you. I don't care about what people say of whether or not he looks like a hooper. Looks don't mean everything. I've seen plenty of people who look like quote unquote hoopers, but they stink. And I've seen plenty of people who look like they just woke up and will go out there and kill you. Okay. Look at Larry Bird. If you look at Larry Bird's high school picture and look at him walking in college, if you've seen him walking on the street, there is no way in hell that anybody would think that he was a hooper. But you know what? He was a top 10, top five, arguably, hooper that killed anybody who stepped in front of him. So for Stockton, games to watch, if you can, if there's an if you're able to watch it, go watch the Utah Jazz versus the Golden State Warriors, April 13th, 2002. That's where Stockton gives, gives Gilbert Arenas the business. Um 1997, game six, Rockets versus the Jazz, where Stockton scores the last 10 points, I believe, takes over the game and hits the game-winning three uh, after an illegal screen by Carl Malone, one of the worst and most illegal screens I've ever seen on Clyde Drexler. And also 1997 NBA Finals game four. Watch how smart Stockton is and his greatness in that game. And he only scored 17 points, but he controlled every aspect of the game. He had six points in the fourth, six assists, and a big steal on MJ. And he also had a huge rebound with about one minute or 50-something seconds left and an assist to Carl Malone to give them a one-point lead with about 40 seconds left in the game. Those are the games that you should watch of John Stockton's so you can really see just how good he was. And that wasn't even Stockton in his prime, those games. None of those games are Stockton in his prime. That's a past prime Stockton, and he's absolutely killing people still. All right. I want to thank everyone for joining in to One in a Million. I know it has been a while. I'm going to try this summer to keep up uh, with the news of what's going on and bring different topics to the table. Um, Hopefully we'll have another one in a million next week. We may have a guest. I'm trying to get this guest to come out of retirement. Uh, He is on Twitter. He has his own podcast himself, but he hasn't really been recording. I am going to try, try and get him 
to come on the show. I would love it if he did because he's very knowledgeable, talks a good game, understands the game of basketball, appreciates the game of basketball, and there's not too many people that love it to the extent where it hurts when it doesn't look good. Okay. And he's one of those people. Like when he sees basketball that doesn't look good, it hurts him. So hopefully I can get him on the show and get him out of retirement. But again, thank you very much for joining in. This was another episode of One in a Million. I hope you guys have a wonderful day. Thank you and take care. What you know about the team? You just know what you get told, girl. I see behind the scene. She spilled whiskey on a shirt. She gon' have to get it clean. She been going way too hard. Someone has to intervene, baby. She look like a star, but only on camera. Only on camera. Only on camera. Might look like I care, but only on camera.